Now, as you're taking your seats, if you will, get your Bibles out with me and go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be at today. And if you have your bulletins, if you have not gotten a bulletin, you can go out there into the foyer and grab one. You will see in your bulletins a little sheet of paper that looks like this. Now, you're wondering what it is. This is the sermon notes. Because, apparently, I, I, I own my mistakes. Um, if you were here last week, then you know that you needed binoculars to be able to see the points on the screen. Um, sometimes when I'm writing, I get very eager and I get very excited, and I apologize about that. And while I'm making the PowerPoints, I will write and I'll add things in. I'll be like, I need to go back and change that and add this and put that in there. And I did that last week, and I was told, hey, preacher, no one could see your slides, and there was a lot of words to write. I apologize about that. So what I did instead is I put this in your notes. So all you will have to do is just read the screen and fill in a word or two, okay? I'm going to help you guys out as much as I can because I did the same thing this week. I started writing. I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't put that many notes in there. Um, our sound team, apparently when they opened up my email, they said, the boys got 22 slides, and I said, yeah, I'm really sorry about that, guys. <laughs> so I won't do that again to them, and I'll make sure that you guys are able to write and leave the sermon without your hand cramping, okay? So just every Sunday from now on, get the bulletin. The sermon notes are going to be in there, all right? I want to make your life easy. I want you to leave here encouraged, knowing what the Word of God says, not sitting there thinking, my hand hurts. What did the preacher just say, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be at, and we are talking about... It's, like I said, it's a short series, only three weeks. We're ending it today. We've been talking about being in a storm. And so I started reading some different stories about storms, actual storms, uh, literal storms that happen throughout history. And I came across one that had a very tragic ending. And there was another preacher that told it. And I want to share it with you. And the story goes that in 1969 in Mississippi, a group of people were preparing I never heard about this before. Raise your hand if you've heard about this. They were preparing to have a hurricane party. Has anyone ever heard of a hurricane party? Okay, a few of you. I'm from Ohio. I've never heard of a hurricane party. So you North Carolinians, apparently that's a real thing. I never heard of a hurricane party before. A hurricane party, apparently, if, for those of you who haven't heard it, is where you just buckle down, you go to your house, and you party through the storm. Yeah, no, all right? If any of you are like, hey, preacher, hurricane's coming in. Let's have a hurricane party. No, I will not join you. I will pray for you, but I will not join you, okay? But this was not in North Carolina because North Carolinians, were, you guys aren't crazy like that. This happened in Mississippi, all right? So in Mississippi, they decided to have a hurricane party. And one writer said, were they ignorant of the dangers? Could they have been overconfident? Did they let their egos and pride influence their decision? Some say that we'll never know. But what we do know is this, is that the wind was howling outside the posh apartments when the police chief pulled up sometime after dark. And the, uh, facing the beach less than 250 feet from the surf, the apartments were in direct line of danger. The storm was heading to their small town, and it was in direct line of them. And a man with a drink in his hand came out to the second-story balcony and waved at the cop. And the chief yelled up, you need to clear out of here quickly. He says, the storm is getting worse. You need to leave. It is coming straight for our town, and it is going to hit your apartments really hard. You need to leave, he said. But others began to join the man on the balcony, and, well, they just started to laugh. 
They looked at the cop and said, we're not going anywhere. We got this. And one man walked out and said, this is my land. If you want me off, then you'll have to arrest me. Well, as the story goes, no, no one was arrested. But the officer wasn't able to persuade them to leave. And so what he decided to do is he wrote down the names of the next of kin for the 20 or so people who had gathered through there to party the storm. And they were laughing at him as he asked each one of them, who's your next of kin? They were laughing about it, and they were giving them the names. They had been warned. They had been told to prepare. But they had no intentions of leaving. They were given the warnings. They were given the signs. They were given everything they needed to be able to survive this storm. Yet they laughed in the face of the officer. And it was about 10, 15 p.m. when the front of the wall of the storm came ashore. And scientists said that the storm's wind speed at the time was 205 miles per hour. For that year, it was the strongest on record. Some said that the raindrops would hit like with the force of bullets. And the waves off the coast crested between 22 and 28 feet high. That's the average waves during that storm. And the apartments were only 250 feet away from the shore. Well, the storm passed, and then the news reports began to flood in. And they showed that there were 20-some people killed at a hurricane party. And one news report that I read said nothing was left of the three-story structure. They were warned. They were told to prepare. They were instructed to leave. They were informed of the dangers that lay ahead. Yet, with all of the warnings, with all of the signs, with everyone telling them, you shouldn't do this, the storm's terrible. They said, we hear you. We're not going to obey, though. We hear you. We don't care. We hear your warning. We, we hear it. We, we know that's a good warning. Yeah, you're right. I probably should leave. But guess what? This party right here, way too much fun. Thanks for the warning. But guess what? I'm going to do what I want. And because of that, guess what? Every one of them perished. And the sad reality is, I fear that many, not all, but I fear that many Christians behave the way those partygoers did. I fear that many Christians behave just like those 20 did in the apartments. We've been warned of the approaching storms. We've been called to get prepared. We've been given everything that we need to get ready. As you flip through these pages of scripture, there's warning, there's, there's commandments, there's things that we can do to get prepared for the approaching storm. Yet, there are so many that say, oh, well, I'm going to do what I want. And again, not all, but there are some that say, yo, I, I get the warning. Preacher, amen. They come on Sunday mornings, amen. Preacher, you're right. I need to get ready. Yet they stand on the balcony laughing. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still going to do what I want. 
Hallelujah, preacher, you're right. Share it on Facebook. Post it. Hallelujah. Still going to do what I want. Still going to act the way I want. Still going to behave however I see fit. But storms are going to hit regardless. We've talked about it over the past two weeks. Right, church? The storms are coming. We hear you, preacher. We, we know, God. We know the storms, are, the storms are coming. We got you. Then the storm hits. We've done what we wanted to do, right? Ignored this. The storm hits, and then tragedy happens. But why did God allow this to happen? And we blame him. I can't believe God, I can't believe God would allow this to take place. Why would God allow the, why would, why would God do this? And we point fingers and we, we yell and we curse God for allowing the storm to happen. Yet, if you remember with me, what did Jesus say? Church, he said you're going to face hard times. He says, you're going to face trials. You're going to go through hardships. Church, he warned us. He said, you're going to go through this. We blame him, yet didn't he warn us? Didn't he warn us, church? He told us all about it. Yet the reality is we can blame him all day long. you, you, You can blame whoever you want to blame. The reality is, I wasn't ready. The reality is I didn't take the warning to heart and I didn't get prepared. The reality is I wasn't the one who was ready. I can blame God. God's big enough. He can take it. But the truth is I was the one that chose not to get ready. God prepared me. Jesus actually talks about this. Did you know that? Matthew chapter 7. Go to verse 24. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. All right. If you ever want to know how to live or how to behave, start with chapter 5, read it, go all the way to chapter 8. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon that was ever preached, right? I can spend my entire career preaching. I can write some good sermons. I can, I can, I can say all the right words. Trust me when I tell you, I will never top this sermon. This is Jesus' sermon. All right, this is our Lord and Savior preaching. I look at this and think, man, I am never going to be that good. <laughs> All right? But listen to what Jesus says. This is his Sermon on the Mount, and this is his closing statement. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew against the, that house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But every, listen to this, church. Ready for this? Here's the warning. Here's another warning that Jesus gives us. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, mm, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. What happened, church? It fell with a great crash. And what's really intriguing 
about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is not talking to non-Christians and Christians here, all right? He's not talking about sinners and, and, and saints. That's not what he's doing here. He's not comparing sinners and saints. What he's actually doing here is he's talking to people, or he's talking about people who profess to be believers. He says, for those of you who profess it, for those of you who call yourself Christians, for those of you who say you're going to live by my teachings— He's comparing two different types of Christians. If you have your sermon notes, go ahead and get them out because this is going to be your first line. Ready? He's comparing Christians who hear it and Christians who hear, look at that difference. You ready? Hear and obey. That's who he's talking to here. So, so if you read this, you'd be like, well, I'm a Christian. I profess it, so I'm good. No, he's talking to us, those of us who, who, who hear it and do nothing about it. I think I should have extended that, right? Christians who hear and don't do anything versus Christians who hear, look, look, and obey. Christians who actually hear it and do what you're told. Oh, but I want to live my I want to live my own life, Pastor. Well, great. Then you fall in the first category. We're going to talk about you. Well, I think I obey. Great. Well, let's let's double check that. All right. We'll make sure of it. Because listen to me. There's a distinct difference. It's not enough just to hear it. We must also do it. We have to live it. Listen to what Jesus said. Go back to verse 24. He says, therefore, and, and I was always taught, my dad was a preacher as well. And so this, I stole this from him, and he told me I can use it. He always said, if you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Okay? So when you see the word therefore, what's about to follow is really important. So when you see the word therefore, go and see why it's therefore, okay? So he said therefore, which means this is going to be important. We need to listen. So he's, he's preaching his sermon. Jesus is, I mean, can you guys imagine hearing Jesus preach? Oh, my goodness. I couldn't imagine. I think I'd be like a little kid just sitting there just listening. Wow. So here is, he preaches his entire sermon, and at the very end, he says, therefore. He says, I know you guys have listened to me. It's been three hours long. I know it's been a long sermon, but you need to hear this. Everyone who hears these words of mine, Meaning everyone who's there, if you have heard this, if you've heard this sermon, and you put them into practice, and you actually put them into practice in your life, then you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He says, those of you who hear this, meaning, ready for this church? Every one of us in this congregation has heard it. You want to know how I know you heard it? Because it's right here in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you in the pew. If you don't have a Bible in front of you in the pew, there's one at the back. And if you don't want to take it, you're like, well, I'm not taking it. Well, fine, then download it on your phone. There is no excuse for you not to hear it. The words are right here. People who say, well, I don't hear God talk. Then you're not reading scripture. That's a whole other point. That's a whole other sermon. But he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man. Meaning you hear it and you obey. If you want to be prepared for the storms, church, listen to me. If you want to be able to withstand the waves of life, then you better listen and obey the words. That is the foundation in which we need to build our lives. And I really want to break this down. I want us to be able to truly leave here and say, I understand what he's talking about, okay? So let's break this parable down together. Let's begin with the houses, okay? Again, if you have your notes, start taking notes, right? Number one is the house represents our lives, so don't think, well, I'm not a carpenter, so this don't apply to me. Yes, it does, because the houses represent our lives. 
Each one of us is building a life. Each one of us is building a house. Everything that I do contributes to the house that I'm building. Everything that you do. It doesn't matter what it is. It contributes to your house, okay? Whether you go to work, your family, your hobbies, your education, your relationships, your behaviors, your attitude, the food you eat, the drink that you drink, everything that you do, the clothes that you pick out, everything that you do contributes to the house that you are building. Each one of you is a builder. Lean to your neighbor and say, you're a builder. Because guess what, church? Every one of us is a builder. Everything that I choose to do is a nail, it's a screw, it's a piece of wood, it's a shingle, it's a, it's a piece of flooring on, on, on my kitchen tile, right? Everything that I do is part of the house of my life. Everything that I do is a nail that I'm putting into my house. Everything. Because a house is not a single piece of material, right? You can't just go to the store and say, I want a house. They're going to look at you and think, you're crazy. Walk up to Home Depot and say, give me a house. They're going to give you a bunch of wood, some nails, and say, find a contractor. Well, guess what, church? In the spiritual life, in your spiritual house, you are the contractor. It's not a single piece of material. It is a bunch of smaller items formed together to create the house. Everything in life contributes to that house. But listen to me when I tell you this. The most important part of your house, the most important part of your house is the foundation. Without a sturdy foundation, your house is completely compromised. Go try to buy a house. Get it inspected. They tell you the foundation is cracked and shifted. What are they going to do? You can't have the house. It's not a quality house to live in. Do you build the roof first? Do you build the walls first? Do you walk around saying, man, look at this room. I built this room first. Great. You're standing in mud. No, what's the most important part, church? It's the foundation. And we are all building our lives upon a foundation. And you have to choose. This is a choice that you have to make right underneath line B. But it's a choice. Because you have to choose where you're going to build that foundation. The foundation is whatever teaching or doctrine or philosophy to which we subscribe. And so I ask, what is my foundation? What am I, what am I, because we're all builders, right? We're all contractors. So what am I building my house on? Where are you putting your house? Because you can't build a house unless you have a foundation. Again, go, go to, this time go to Lowe's and say, I'm ready to build a house. The contractor is going to say, great, where do you want to build it at? I don't know. I don't have a piece of property. Well, have you laid foundation? No. And they're going to look at you and say, you can't build a house. Where's your foundation, church? Where am I building my life at? Am I, building my, am I building my house on the sands of the things of this earth? The material things? The things that are going to be here today and gone tomorrow? Is that what I'm building my house on? The things of this world? Am I relying on the world? Look at the state the world is in, church. Do we really want to rely on that? But for many, that's where we're putting our foundation, is on the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Or are you building your, your, your house on the foundation of eternal things, the things that will last? Are you building your house on the hope and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and his salvation? 
You have to ask yourself, church, where am I building my house? Because we can't escape the fact that all of us are builders. Every one of us is building a house or building a life. And the question is, where am I building the foundation? Where am I building my house? What foundation am I building it on? Where am I putting my house? And then the question is whether or not we will be wise or foolish builders. And guess what? What's really interesting about that being wise or foolish builders is eventually, check this out, eventually you will find out which one you are. You can build your house for years and you think, I am good to go. But eventually you are going to find out whether or not you are a wise builder or a foolish builder. Because you know what's really interesting about storms? Is storms reveal the truth. Storms reveal the truth about your life. You want to find out how sturdy your foundation actually is? Let a storm happen. You'll find out. Because listen to me, church. Storms, point number two. Storms can be anything. It doesn't have to be one thing or another. Storms can be anything. For example, they can be literal storms. They can be tornadoes, or now that I'm learning because I'm living in North Carolina, hurricanes. They can be floods. They can be drought. They can be literally anything which may take away all that you own. They can be literal storms, actual physical rain and wind and tornadoes and, and hurricanes and all this crazy thing. They can be waves that come and just sweep everything away. And the question is, how will I respond? When that literal storm hits, when I wake up and all of a sudden I'm laying on my bed and there's no roof anymore because the tornado ripped it off, the question is, how am I going to respond? Because how you respond will reveal the type of building that you've done. The storm will reveal how you've built your house and where you've built your house. How are you going to respond to that storm? Are you going to be emotionally devastated and freaking out? Oh my goodness. Or will you be able to be able to stand strong, willing to continue without despair, knowing that your hope is just stuff? Knowing that, you know what? I get it. It happened. This is hard. It's terrible. But I can still have peace because I know that my foundation is on eternal things. This stuff is only temporary anyway. I'm going to do what I can to make sure it's okay. But I'm going to hold on to the hope of Jesus Christ. How are we going to respond? Literal storms reveal who we are and where we build our foundation. The second one is figurative storms, such as illnesses, loss of a loved one, financial setbacks. I mean, these things take away your health, they take away your family, they take away your possessions. Again, how we respond to these tragedies will reveal the quality of our building. How are you going to respond to this, church? How are you going to respond to these things? If you want to know, guess what? Let a storm hit. It reveals the truth. None of us want to go through storms, but the reality is they're coming, and they're going to reveal the truth of who you are and where you built your foundation. Will you be emotionally devastated or will you be able to stand strong, willing to continue without, without despair, trusting in God the entire time, knowing that he has your best interest in mind? Where are you building your foundation? Where are you building your house, church? Is it on the things of this world or is it on eternal things of Jesus Christ? And here's how we do this, okay? So how do we build our life, our, our house on the solid foundation that will allow us to withstand the winds and the waves? I don't want to ask these questions, say, well, where are you building it at? And not give you the opportunity to see how you can build your house on the solid foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ. It's really simple. Two words. You ready for this? Hear and obey. 
Write that down, church. Hear. I, I didn't, it's not hear or obey. It's not obey. It's hear, meaning, ready? Hear, hear, read, understand what Jesus tells us, understand what God has revealed to us, and then check this out, obey it. Meaning, we can know it all day long, but until I do it, it doesn't matter. You have to hear it and obey. The question is not whether or not we say nice, polite, orthodox, enthusiastic things, nor whether we hear his words, listening, studying, and pondering, and memorizing until our minds are stuffed with his teaching, but what it comes down to is whether we do what we say and do what we know. That's what it comes down to, church. Am I actually living it? Am I obeying it? And of course, we know we can't work our way into heaven. None of us. You, can't, you cannot say, I've done all these great things. I've got my ticket to heaven. No. Through the saving grace of Jesus Christ is the only way you're going to make it to heaven. There's one way. I don't care what the world says. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. It's the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. But check this out. What Jesus is stressing is that those who truly hear the gospel and profess the faith will always obey him. If you hear it and you profess it, guess what you're going to do? You're going to obey him, church. You're going to do what he says. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practice. So how do we put them into practice, church? Well, let me break it down for you. Five simple things. Number one is fill your heart with the love of Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commands. Our love for Christ is our motivation for obedience. So reflect on your love for Jesus to motivate you to want to do acts of obedience. Fill your heart with the love of Christ. You want to obey him, say, Lord, I love you. I have a heart for you. Help me obey you. You want to obey him? Fill your heart with his love. That's, how, that's our motivation, is our love for him. Because if we genuinely love him, church, guess what? We're not going to want to disappoint him. We're not going to want to sin against him. We're going to want to obey him. So fill your heart with the love for Christ. Number two is commit to obedience. Church, this is key. It cannot happen without commitment. If we are not committed to it, it will never happen. Our foundation will be like sinking sand. So make a commitment today that you are going to wake up every single day and obey God no matter what. Ask the Lord to give you the strength necessary to obey him. He gives us everything that we need. It's right here in scripture, church. But we have to be committed to it. We have to say, Lord, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to obeying your word. I'm going to commit to obeying your commands. If you want to build your house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, then it is by committing to obeying his word, church. This cannot be a once a week thing. This cannot be Sunday morning is important. I've said it countless times. This is important, but this cannot be it. If this is the only time you read his word, church, this has got to be an, it's his lifestyle. It's us giving Lord, him lordship of our lives. We're committing to him saying, Lord, I want to commit to obeying you no matter the circumstance. No matter what's going on, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to give you everything. It's yours, Lord. So commit to obedience. The third thing is look for commands to obey. Now, this one's twofold, right? This means that you have to, every day, be reading this. And while you're reading it, look for the commands to obey. Actually, I can make it really simple for you this week. Go to chapter 5 and begin reading the Sermon on the Mount. 
begin reading his sermon. He lays it out here for us, church. He tells us what to do. I mean, if you, if you look there in chapter 6, he says prayer, right? This is how you should pray. Uh, chapter 6 says giving to the needy. This is how you need to do this. Uh, he says you, you are the salt and the, li- uh, the, salt and the light of, uh, of the earth. I mean, you've got to be the witness, right? He, he tells us what to do, right? He, he lays it out right here. So if you want to say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know what to do. What do you mean commands? Well, it's really simple right here. Look at the sermon out. Don't worry. How many of us walk around worrying, we're anxious, and we're always fretting and stewing? Jesus specifically says in chapter 6, don't worry. Who of you can add a single hour to your life by it? These are commands that he gives us. So if you want to know, well, how do I look for commands? Read his scripture. Study his word. He lays it out there, church. He gives us everything we need to know. This will require being in his word every day. And again, this is how we build our house on a solid rock. And while you're in the word, search for commands. He, ta- he tells us what to do. He tells us how to live our lives. Then, no, no, number four is this. So we got the command, right? So I've read it. I, I, I've studied it. I've understood it. Then number four is look for ways to obey, right? Because it's not enough just to know it. So, so we look for the commands to obey, and we found them. I, I gave you some. You can't leave here and say, well, I don't know. No, I literally just gave you some, okay? Read chapter five and six. He lays it out there, different things that you can do. Then look for ways to obey, meaning in your life, find ways to apply it. For instance, okay, we've been, we've been commanded to forgive. In the next 24 hours, who in your life can you forgive? Who has hurt you? Who, who, who in your life is in need of forgiveness from you? How can, how can you help the needy? Within the next 24 hours, so, so, right, so, so we found the command, help the needy, because Jesus says, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me, right? That's what Jesus says. What we've done for the least of these, we've done to him. So in other words, he's saying, go out and help the needy. So we found a command, how can I help the needy? How can I restore a relationship? How can I be a better witness? Don't overcomplicate it. Just find ways to apply the teachings of Jesus in your life. Say, this is, okay, God, this is what you've commanded. Now, how can I apply it? What can I do? We have to be watchful and find different ways that we can apply it. It's kind of like putting uh, practice, right? We, who here has ever played sports and heard the saying, practice makes perfect? Exactly, right? So we apply this into our lives. We put it into practice. And you might think, well, how does this have to do with storms? It's like this. So we practice it. We continue to do it over and over and over again. Why do you practice in sports? To get ready for the game, right? Because if you're not practicing, when game time comes, you're not going to be able to do it because you've never practiced it. You're going to be standing on the court like, well, that looks fun, but I don't know what to do. Well, when the storms of life come, guess what? We're going to be so used to this because we're going to be obeying him. We're going to be listening to his commands that when the storms actually come, we're going to sit back and think, what's this storm got on me? I, I already know what I'm doing. Because I found, a way, I found the commands. I found the ways to apply it. And guess what? When the storm actually comes, all you got to say is, well, practice makes perfect. It's muscle memory. Storm's here. Guess what? Lord, I'm going to rely on you no matter what because I'm going to obey you because I know what I'm doing already. Because a lot of times we're left devastated in the midst of storms because guess what, church? We haven't been doing it. You can't say, I'm magically going to rely on God in the hard times when you haven't been doing it in the good times. Because when the hard times come, guess what happens? You're going to rely on old habits because your old habits haven't been been relying on Jesus. Did you guys know that? Studies have proven that when people get in hard times, they fall back to their old habits. And if your old habits are sin and not obeying Jesus, guess what you're going to do in the midst of a hard time? 
you're going to fall back to old habits. You're going to pick up that old stuff. But when we have been practicing, when we have been doing this stuff, Jesus says, those of you who hear my words and put them into what? Practice. If you do them regularly, when the storms come, you'll be ready. You'll sit back and think, man, this ain't got nothing on me because I've been obeying God. I found ways to apply it to my life. And when the storm comes, I'll just keep applying it. And no matter what happens, it doesn't matter the outcome. I'm going to rely on him and I'm going to have his peace because I know that my foundation is on eternal things, not the temporary. Find ways to be able to apply it to your life. And number five is this. It's our last point, church, is look for unique opportunities. Find ways to apply it. So a couple years ago, I was, I was preaching a similar sermon about obeying and, and applying different disciplines to our life. And me and my wife, uh, we, we committed. We said, well, we're going to do different things throughout the year to help people. This is not a brag on me. This is a way God can deliver it to you, okay? So we've done different things throughout the year. We've, we've helped people during Christmas. We've done different things. And one time on Sunday, I preached a sermon. We went home, and he always uses Ashley to be able to convict me, all right? So if you ever wonder, well, how does a preacher get convicted? Her. <laughs> so we're sitting at the dining room table, and she says, well, let's pray that God will give us an opportunity this week. And I said, okay. Give us a unique opportunity, God. So we prayed, and we're sitting there. Lord, this week, give us an opportunity to help someone because we don't know what to do. Church, this is an honest story. I think it was Monday or Tuesday after we prayed that prayer. Nine o'clock at night, we're sitting there. I'm watching TV like I do, and we hear the doorbell ring. And I'm thinking, what? Who is here? We're millennials. We don't like just sudden stop-bys. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Let me know you're coming because you stop by. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be suspicious of you, all right? So at 9 o'clock at night, I'm suspicious. I'm freaking out. Like, what in the world's happening right now? I go for my door, a little teeny tiny girl, about 16, 17 years old, and says, can I borrow your phone? We bring her in. We sit at the dining room table. We start talking to her. We found out she was uh, caught up in a drug circuit, got abandoned by her friends from a totally different town about an hour and a half away, no idea where she was, no idea what to do. She had, no, she had no money, no phone, no ID, nothing. No family to call, no friends to call. They just dumped her off and said, get out of our car. We don't want anything to do with you. Completely abandoned her. And was delivered at our doorstep. Look for unique opportunities. Pray for it. Say, Lord, give me. Now be careful. Because listen to me. You pray for it, it's going to happen. You say, Lord, give me the opportunity. And you know what? Do you know how it happened? So obviously we take care of it, we get her the food, we take her to the police department, do everything we need to do, and we ask her, why did you choose our house? And she said, you're the only one that had a light on. She said, you're the only one that had a light on. All because, again, this had nothing to do with us. This was all God. God saw the need, God heard our heart, God delivered, and he was able to protect that young lady. All because we were willing to say, Lord, give us the opportunity. Church, if you want to obey God, if you want to be able to do these things, listen to me. You've got to be able to pray. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, give me the unique opportunities to live out my faith. Help me to live it. Church, listen, Jesus shared his parable of the wise and foolish builders to illustrate the folly of not listening to him. There are those who hear and obey his words. They are like the people who build the house on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. But those who hear and ignore his words, listen, they're going to, it's like building a house on sinking sand. 
It's going to devastate you. And when the storm comes, listen to me, Jesus assured us that our house will stand firm and our faith will not be shaken as long as we build our house on the solid foundation, which is him and his teachings. When we read, listen to, and obey Jesus, then we will be able to have peace in the storms of wave, knowing that he is, he is our strong foundation of our lives. So church, let me encourage you as we bring this to a close. As you leave here today, listen to me. Hear and obey. Build your house on the solid foundation that is Jesus Christ. Because if you do that, if you practice these daily, when the storms come, guess what? You're not going to be shaken. Your faith is going to be on Jesus Christ. And you're going to be able to have peace saying, you know what? Though this storm hit, no matter what happens, I am going to stand strong because my life is built on Jesus Christ. Amen, church? So leave here today building your house on that solid foundation. Worship team, come back and lead us again. Church, if you will, stand your feet with us.
Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we come to a close. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for hearing and not obeying. Lord, teach us how to obey. Help us, Lord, to be able to build our lives on your foundation, the solid rock, which is your son, Jesus Christ, and his teachings. So that when the storms come, Lord, we will not be shaken, not because of our own strength, because of what you, but because of what you have done for us. Help us, Father, to do that right now. And as we leave here today, I do pray for traveling mercies. Help everyone to make it home safely so we can come back together again. It's your glorious name that we pray this, and everybody says it. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you, and see you guys next week. Mr. Mike, Miss Angie, have a good one. Tell David then we miss them. Trying to enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> Mr. Colby, have a good one. Appreciate you. Hey, trying to enjoy the sunshine. Thank you guys for coming.